you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from me. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Dee-deedle-deedle. Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike. You found the Down East Mike Podcast. We're officially listed as comedy, but we have no intention. It's not an intentional comedy. We, we If you laugh at us, well, I, I think it's it's almost painful for everybody involved. I'm just an 8-bit guy in a 64-bit world. And what I do here is I look at things in the past, I look at things today and shake my down east mic head and say things have really not changed all that much. This is episode number 66, News and Commentary for November 18th, 2022. And our motto here is, some of this is whimsy, some of it's true, and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. I've got the smile. Can you hear the smile in my voice? Just so happy, happy happy-go-lucky. So Friday, we made it to Friday, the end of the week. And in today's episode, we have Central Maine Power requesting a 15% rate increase. And that's from 1971, not like the headline from yesterday where it said 49%. Uh, inmates build a forklift tank and escape. And that was in 1971 as well. And then Republicans demand election result inspection from 1879. Things have not changed at all. Uh, Maine's mineral of the moment, uh, we have that to look at too. Let's go right to the headlines. Um, Let's see, the international news. No one left to fix things. Twitter employees leave in droves after Musk hardcore ultimatum. Well, that Musk getting everybody all stirred up. Pelosi, a dominant figure for the ages, leaves lasting imprint. Nancy Pelosi stepping down from her role there. North Korea is launching an ICBM that could reach the entire U.S. Don't get your blood pressure up. And what, usually they just kind of land in the water and splash, break up. Carrie Lake lawyers, uh, lawyers up ahead of a potential legal fight in the Arizona governor race, which she won't concede. And Congresswoman Lauren Bobert faces recount after tight race. And then there's some other stuff. I think the World Cup over there, they're protesting because uh, Budweiser sponsored the World Cup and then they're not allowing beer. You can't have a beer in the soccer game. How about the Maine headlines? Uh, Maine has sent nearly $74 million in American Rescue Plan grants to child care providers. We don't know what that means. You Maine football team is ready for rivalry game. Uh, holiday lights dazzle and shine at the coastal Maine Botanical Gardens. Maine musicians taking center stage in upcoming concerts. I'm not seeing a lot here that's fun. Bruce Poliquin accepts defeat and urges Mainers to relax and decompress during the holidays. Do we really need a politician to tell us to relax and decompress? What does that mean anyway? Lettuce prices skyrocket amid shortage of romaine and iceberg. Not sure what that's got to do with Maine. And 
Maine backtracks on guidance for medical marijuana sales. Well, that's enough headlines. Let's look at some, uh, let's go to our uh, birthdays of the day. We're going to skip the word of the day today. Happy birthday to Mary of Richmond. She turned 17 and she's an aspiring seamstress and has done very well selling her new main styles on the internet. Happy birthday, Mary. And happy birthday as well to Mike of Stonington. He'll be 48 today. He's pleased with the outcome of the recent elections and hopes that whales and lobsters can coexist in the coming years. Uh, let's go to the headline on this day in 1971. Central Maine Power, in testimony filed Wednesday with the Public Utilities Commission, its CMP said its 15.3% rate increase constitutes the absolute minimum required to meet the needs of its customers. Like everything else, the cost of producing and distributing electricity has been going up. These costs have been built up to the point where rates must be raised. Her to cover them of CMP's high standards of service will be jeopardized. I they threaten you. This is in 1971. A large amount of securities simply cannot be sold on reasonable terms if the company is denied the requested rate relief. How do they call it relief? When they raise their rates, it's called relief. Relief for them. We need to relieve them. Uh, inmates... This is actually a headline out of Florida, but we like the story. Inmates fashion tank and ram way to freedom. Two Rayford State Prison inmates rammed their way to freedom through a hail of bullets in a makeshift tank. And this they had uh, assembled from the prison furniture shop. Rayford Superintendent Lawrence Duggar said the inmates Rex and Wallace... Boy, don't they sound like escapees, Rex and Wallace. They fashioned their tank out of a forklift truck using 10-gauge sheet metal for armor plate. And then it says, continued on page 2, column 6. We're going to go there. Hang on. The men broke out of the prison in northeast Florida last Saturday. They remained at large. So we know we know that they, they were successful. I should do a follow-up on this, I guess. Uh, so Rex and Wallace, they make their tank out of the forklift. They uh, First, they broke into, actually, the furniture factory at the prison to fashion their escape vehicle, those clever guys. They enclosed a forklift with 10-gauge sheet metal, explaining that the armor armorers wrapped two layers of metal around the sides and placed four thicknesses atop the truck. They cut a six-inch slit in the metal armor for forward visibility. Duggar said the men waited in the prison shop until dark. Dark dusk fell over the 3,000-man prison. Then they rode 200 yards to freedom. They crashed the gates, and officers in the tower above them fired on them with a 30-30 rifle. The bullets didn't penetrate the steel. He said the tower guards had a direct shot from about 30 feet. Rex and Wallace rolled into the prison motor pool area, jumped out of the tank, and ran for the shelter of a nearby woods. 
Duggar said officers were in pursuit, but the dogs lost the scent of the escapees in the woods. They got 24 hours a day to outfigure you, and obviously they did this, said Florida Corrections Director Louis Wainwright. I never heard of a similar escape. Rex was serving two years for a Tampa prison break, and Wallace was serving 10 years for a Jacksonville robbery. Duggar said he has issued instructions that from now on all forklift trucks will be parked outside the prison fence at night on or on weekends. I think they were so smart they'd figure out some other way. Well, we'll do a follow-up on that on a subsequent podcast. Well, we found this ad from 1971. Rediscover the Holiday Inn. We're a little bit different. We have the Mary Jane restaurant with us. Now, I think they were doing an under little... A little aside there on that Mary Jane name. Luncheon specials, $1.25. So for Monday, it was spaghetti and meat sauce. Tuesday, it was corned beef hash and a poached egg. I can just picture that egg sitting on top of that dried out corned beef hash. Wednesday was surprise day. Oh, dear. You wouldn't want your first date with your potential new beau to be Wednesday. And you're sitting there at a surprise day, right? Thursday is New England boiled dinner. We don't know what that is. Friday is fried clams and french fries. And all the specials are served with bread and butter, coffee, jello, and whipped cream. Free. Help yourself to our salad bar. Free. This was at the Holiday Inn of Bangor. Boy, were they shilling that hard. A twenty-five luncheon special. Especially that mystery day. Surprise day. Also found an ad for your Army, the U.S. Army. Your Army representative wants to talk to you about a terrific raise. And this is in 1971. A great time to join the Army, huh? The Army's getting a dramatic pay increase. At a minimum, the new starting salaries will be doubled. And you still get free meals, free housing, free clothing, free medical and dental care, free job training and education, and 30 days paid vacation a year. For all the details, see your nearest Army representative listed below. Today's Army wants to join you at a much higher salary. And they had recruiting officers all over the place, Bangor, Biddeford, Holton. Sign me up. Well, let's see. November 18, 1879, the weather forecast uh, was for falling barometer, colder, northeasterly wind, stormy with snow, except changing to rain along the coast, followed tonight and Wednesday by rising barometer, northwesterly wind, and generally clearing weather, cautionary signals from Eastport to Smithville. And the weather forecast at that time was coming from the War Department's office, the Chief Signal Officer, Washington, D.C., November 18th, 10.30 a.m., 1879. We have some short one-liners here. Current news and notes. The lane of the new French cable is completed and is now in working order. More on that later. The order to the British fleet to enter Turkish waters has been countermanded. Don't go. Thirteen persons returning from a fair last week were drowned while crossing Loch Indole, Scotland. 
The tramps in New Hampshire evade the law by telling their tales of woe with printed placards. And that goes on today in downtown Portland and other uh, urban areas here throughout New England. A stock ranch and 300 head of cattle near Austin, Texas are cared for by a widow 70 years of age. Journeyman cutters in Boston will strike today because of refusal of employees to advance wages 20%. Uh, what else do we have in those little headlines here? John Ogley of New York went into a saloon on Hanover Street, Boston, Monday and requested to be served with a dinner quick as he had only 10 minutes to live. After the meal, he shot himself in the breast and is not expected to recover. There's that word again. The new French cable from Brest to Northeastern Mass has been completed and is in working order. The cable is formed of one copper wire in the center of, in the center of 10 smaller copper wires. This is encased in three layers of gutta percha, outside of which are 17 iron wires, and the whole is covered with prepared hemp. Its insulation is perfect, and it is pronounced the most perfect working transatlantic cable in 1879. Imagine having the vision to run a cable across the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, how do you even get your head around that? So then we had to look up Brest, which is a port city in western France on two hills divided by the Penfeld River. It would be an awful thing to have like an English name in your river in France, right? Penfeld. Its magnificent roadstead, the Rade de Brest, is 14 miles long, protected from the sea by the Coulard Peninsula and the Goulet Passage named after Robert Goulet. Brest, France, ceded about 1240 by Count Hervé de Leon to John I, the Duke of Brittany. Britain, the English uh, occupied it from 1342 to 1397, if you remember. And then it went back and forth. Uh, anything remarkable about it? But that's where they started that cable. I had to look it up. In exchange for obligation, uh, Brest has been the seat of the French Naval Academy since 1830. So that's their big story. Then we had this story from 1879 about the elections in Maine. And uh, it's titled, all its little subtitles, The Democratic Plot. Interested Republicans ask to examine returns. Chairman of Council Committee on Elections denies a request. It is believed the Republicans will be denied access to the returns. The committee will report finally after the 20 days corrections of errors. Governor Gasolon absent for the day. The fusionists denounce Governor Gasolon for promising an open count. So I don't go into the details there, but basically, just like today, they had recently had an election and they're fighting over the results. How about some Maine farming notes? Mr. J.E. and S.H. Friend of Aetna raised this season one quarter of an acre of ground, 12,500 pounds of sugar beets. That's a lot of beets. Aren't beets the kind of thing that you eat and you just, you just wonder about the taste the whole time? Kind of greedy. It's like chewing on boot runoff or something. 
Honorable Stillman Allen says if a boy of York County shall win the first of the corn prizes offered by him, he will add to it a gold watch. George Kelly of Rome sold a pair of steer calves a few days ago for $50, which is thought to be pretty good for these times. Mr. Stone, a butcher in Sydney, brought into the market recently two lambs which, when dressed, weighed 112 pounds. Good to know. An interviewer of the Maine Sugar Beet Company states that the yield of sugar beets the past season in the state ranges all the way from 2 to 37 tons to the acre. The average is 9 1.5 tons. I would just be beat down by this. The phonograph says that Major Dill of Phillips has a natural curiosity in the shape of two apples in perfect shape, one of which is attached naturally to the tree, while the other is attached to a stem growing out of the apple at the lower end. Go figure. Uh, this is kind of a related story from November 6. Mr. McLaughlin of Chapman, Maine, brought in a dandelion blossom. So the dandelions had some hot weather then, too. From Walderboro, Miss Nellie Backer has been appointed second assistant at the post offices in Walderboro. It's good to know. The shoe shop is shut down for two weeks while it will do a rushing business. There are lots of orders ahead. And Welts Shipyard in Walderboro will cease for the winter as soon as the, as the deck of the vessel now on the stocks is pl- planked up. And a very large crop of eels is being harvested between the wharves. Enjoy those eels. Other notes, an unusually large crop of apples have been harvested in this town the previous season. John Flint of Baldwin has 4,000 bushels of apples. And R.A. Burnell has 500 bushels of picked apples. He picked 25 bushels of apples from one tree and seven bushels from the ground under it. Isn't that something? Here's some news out of uh, Eastport. It's to reduce the debt of the church at Eastport are earnestly made by the pastor. Eggs and firewood are very scarce articles of merchandise here at present and have been for some time. The revenue steamer Dallas is lying in the harbor this week on a cruise from Portland. And the supply of fish for the sardine factories continues good in this vicinity, 1879 in Eastport. There apparently was a drought at the time. Rain is earnestly looked for, all sources for water being lower than ever before known. In many places, water has to be hauled for cattle as well as household purposes. And what else do we have? A few other little stories here. Mr. Nahum Jellison. Nahum. N-A-H-U-M. I haven't seen that as a first name before. Nahum Jellison of Hancock is almost totally blind in consequence of some sort of growth which covers the ball of his eyes. He thinks of going to the Portland Medical Hospital for treatment. Captain Frank Jellison, assistant light keeper at Spruce Head, is visiting his parents here. He's off duty for a few days. From Phippsburg, the the roads in Phippsburg are in first-class condition, and the travel is free from the usual accumulations of mud, maybe because it's so dry. 
The diamond drill is carrying, uh, what is it, a three-inch hole through the shale rocks on Irish Head in search of coal. The work will be kept up through the coming winter. Winter fishermen and the catchers of lobsters are coining money at the present. Captain George Lowell of Phippsburg is getting material together for the purpose of building a small vessel at his home near Horse Island for the present winter. Also, some news out of Madison. Some wells in Madison have been dry since July, and nearly all are dry at present. In another related drought story this time, 1879, the drought has hindered several kinds of business, but so far as reported has not yet closed any of the main schools. A Kennebec paper, however, announces that unless, unless copious rains fall between this and the time for the opening of the winter term at Oak Grove Seminary in Vassalboro, it will have to be postponed as water has to be hauled for quite a distance for steam, laundry, and kitchen purposes. Wow, that's a lot of news. Let's go look at our, uh, our story now on the main mineral of the moment. And our mineral of the moment is mica, M-I-C-A. Any of a group of hydrous potassium aluminum silicate minerals. It's a type of phyllosilicate, and it exhibits a two-dimensional sheet or layer structure. Among the principal rock-forming minerals, mica is found in all three major rock varieties, igneous, sedimentary, and metamorphic. I think that's a composition that I can relate to. Uh, only six are common rock-forming minerals of the 28 known species of the mica group. So there's a light-colored mica, and, which is, and then there's biotite, which is the black one, which is uh, the most abundant. So mica, uh, was biotite, was named for a person, Jean-Baptiste Bio, a 19th century French physicist who studied the optical properties of micas. Muscovite was named, albeit indirectly for a place, it was originally called Muscovy Glass because it came from Muscovy province of Russia. Uh, Glauconite, Although typically green was named for the Greek word for blue, and lepidolite from the Greek word meaning scale was based on the appearance of the mineral's cleavage plates. And they go on and on there. They've got the chemical uh, breakdown of it with MgFe2++. So mica mining was common in the early, early 20th century in here in Maine. Uh, mica's a heat resistance. It was, it was used for... Uh, Electrical insulation, heat shields, and furnaces, and actually, I think maybe old car windshields, uh, or was used in the transportation industry. Uh, it was known as Eisenglass, which is German for iron glass. It can be found in broad sheets that flake apart. I'm kind of flaky. Thin, thin layers of sheets are translucent. In the old carriages, mica, mica was used as window material. Uh, glass was too breakable, but the mica could bend somewhat. And from the musical Oklahoma in the song Surrey with the fringe on top, the Surrey, which is a horse-drawn buggy, has eyes and glass curtains that you can roll down in case there's a change in the weather. Old wood stoves had eyes and glass windows in their doors, and you could see the fire inside, and the mineral could take high heat 
unlike the window glass in those days which could shatter if exposed to sudden temperature changes. That is our main middle of the moment. Uh, let's take a look, quick look at the uh, National Weather Service forecast for today. This is Friday, November 18th, and we've got uh, mostly cloudy and then gradually becoming sunny, but high only around 39 degrees with a southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. For Saturday, sunny with a high near 37 southwest wind around 5. And then for Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 35 degrees. Looks like we're getting into the, uh, certainly into the, the winter spell. That is our podcast for today. Until next time, this is Down East Mike wishing you a day that's full of grace, love, and kindness. And until next time, we will see you. We got to watch the sunset on the Bay of Fundy. Staying longer than we should. But don't you worry, cause Danny knows the way back home, back home. You learn to step over the dog. Christmas tree Going off to Join the Air Force But don't you worry Cause Danny knows the way Back home Back home If you want